I'm going to ask you what this is. There's one word that will describe this. Anyone? And don't go from the back there because you know. What is a declaration or assurance that one will do something or that a particular thing will happen? What is that called? A promise. A promise. Sorry, I saw his hands only left, but you wanted to say that, eh? A promise. Good on you. Um, so, a promise is this thing, a declaration or assurance that one will do something or that a particular thing will happen. And so, actually for this whole year, we've been journeying through the book of Matthew. And we finished with that. We, we obviously can do much more and, and carry on talking about it. But we felt that we covered in God what we needed to talk about. And so for the next probably six weeks, we're going to do a series called God of Promise. God of Promise that really is living with confidence shaped by God's declarations. You and I are able, because of the promises of God, to live with confidence because of what He has said. And we need to remind ourselves of the God of promise and the promises of God. And it's probably one thing that is very needy and, and helpful at this time that we're in. To understand that God is a God of promise and that God has promises that are useful for you and I. If we see them, to believe them and to trust Him for those things to come through in our lives. And so, hence to, to announce this this morning, for up till probably somewhere in October, this will be our focus. We're going to talk about the God of promise. And, and in, talk, in thinking about this, I thought, Gee, what story in my life could be helpful to, to use as an illustration of where somebody had promised me something, and, and out of that maybe just it really just so blessed my life and it has been a blessing and whatever else. And so I went to Samin and I said, I can't find a story about my life, about something that really has made an impact on my life because of somebody promising something to me. And there has been. But then she said, you know what? The people of Zimbabwe, they are people that live and, and, and express a promise to somebody and to others in a unique way. And we started talking about that and realizing that there are people in this nation who are living a, a, a fairly good life, and not necessarily you know, an extravagant life, but they're able to live in a certain way because others are fulfilling a promise made to them that enables them to, for instance, have a decent life. And many of them are you, that you're recipients of it, but you're also those that have made a promise and said, I will look after a relative. I will take care of the little ones. I will take care of someone here because of whatever practical reason it may be. And you are fulfilling a promise in an incredible way. Maybe some of you are recipients of others that may be looking after you, have looked after you, and are caring for you. Maybe some of you are, are receiving or recipients of what the diaspora is made, making available to you. They promised you, whatever it may be. And we are here receiving. Maybe there's somebody here that, that have said, I promise that I'll keep you employed. 
No matter how tough it may be, I'll try my utter best as an employer to keep you employed. I think it's just what a great thing. Maybe there's some of you that say, have said and are saying, I will ensure that you or your children go to school, that you have made a promise about school fees or about providing transportation or whatever it may be or just food support. You promise, I will do this. I made a declaration that I will do what I set out to do. I thought, yeah, that's so true. That Zimbabwe, I believe, is full of people who have made promises and are keeping their promises. And also are recipients of the promises that others have made. And as I stop to think about this culture amongst us of keeping promises in this way, I actually realize how much easier it could be for you to understand that, that God is a promise maker and he's a promise keeper. Because you live amongst it. And I say, well done. We've come to learn something about you. About people. I mean, I so often hear this. So often. Well, um, and it's not people going around trying to boast. I just hear the stories of how many people in this nation are looking out for others. And I see that. I go into many homes and I'm, sorry, who's, who's that again? Oh yeah, it's my little, my little daughter, my, my, my sister's daughter, or my so-and-so's little whatever, and I'm like, oh, okay. there's a promise, yeah, being fulfilled, or whatever it may be. And, and I, I want to honor you and recognize that. And I want to use that actually to encourage you to say, when you talk about the God of promises and, and, and the one who keeps his promises, you ought to be able to understand that well. Because you live in an environment where a lot of people have made promises and not keeping it. So it should actually be easy for you to understand this aspect about God. There are obviously many of us that, that do fail in this. Amen? I realized the other day I was, man, I was sitting preparing yesterday and, and I it just dawned on to me. I, I said to Chris, Watson, Chris, over there. I said to him on Friday, Chris, I'll see you tonight. I want to come and just be amongst the young people for a bit and just see what God's doing at debrief. And, and so I was preparing, talking about promises. And I realized, oh my goodness, I became so involved in preparing on Friday night that it completely left my mind. Completely. Only by Saturday at about 10 or 11, I realized I had promised to him that I would come and I never did. So I realized, oh my goodness, I've got something to make up as I quickly take. I said, Chris, I'm so sorry. I promised you I'll come and I just completely forgot. How many of you, please help me. I'm not alone. <laughs> we go through those moments where we completely forget. Huh? Some of us are so holy. And some people are shaking their heads and no, I never go through that. We just pray together for those people, Father. <laughs> I won't call them my name, but they book line. <laughs> anyway, so we I'm, I'm one of those CF people where I completely forget. <laughs> I thought I'd keep my word and then you know, just left my mind. But praise the Lord that that we can be 
reminded of God's promises and then out of that we can try to do the same. So actually this morning is just an intro. Boy, oh boy, I drink much more water if I don't have a microphone. <laughs> um, this morning is really just an introduction into what we want to cover over the next couple of weeks. And so I want to just lay before you the intention of what we want to look at and just kind of give you a taster, a foretaste of where we're going. To, to, in a sense, also lure you back and say, come, let's, let's journey together through this. The God of promise, that, that that will establish something in our lives if it needs to, about God being able to keep his promises and then also to look at the promises of God. The first thing that we want to look at is, we want to recognize that God has made an enormous amount of promises in the Bible. I didn't count them, I got that from somebody else's stats, all right? So I think that I'm impressive. Um, if, if you have been able to count it yourself, just well done. <laughs> if you got close to 3,000, just say, yay, I did it, um, to confirm that 3,000 is fairly close to the actual figure. Um, none of you? Anyway, I, I got this from somebody else, and, and they agree. That's, that's really the, the, the reality of the Bible, and it actually becomes the heart of the Bible, that God promises that God's Word is full of promises. And, I, and, and some of those promises that, for instance, come to mind is where Jesus clearly said, He says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. It's a beautiful promise, eh? And then in Matthew, we, we read where, where they're talking about the church, and Jesus didn't often talk about the church as such. He spoke and He said, You know what? I will build my church, and the gates of Hades or hell will not prevail against it. And so nothing will stop what God does. So if you ever thought that this is it, the time of the church is probably coming close to an end. No. We've got to be reminded of one of these 3,000 found in the Bible that God says it will not come to an end. It will come to an end when we have the new heaven and new earth, and we'll just all be those of Him around here. But God is a promise maker and loves to make us feel, He loves to make us feel secure in His declarations of care and love and of provision. Hence, 3,000. You can understand that God's trying to tell us something. Eh? <laughs> if He promises us so much, He's trying to make us feel secure and have a future that we can hope in because of Him. Amen? Amen? So, hence us talking about the promise. The second thing that we'd like to talk about is that, that everything that God has promised is based on His perfect, good, unchangeable, and trustworthy character. This, this is the thing. The, the benefits of God, the promises of God, are not based on how often you repeat them and remember them. Keep on... Saying them, oh, the Lord will, the Lord will, the Lord will. Now his promises are based on him, his character, that's absolutely impeccable and faithful. So this is this is the little bit of a side note that comes in here. That if we want to 
enjoy those promises and, and live within them, we're going to know the character of God. It's not, the key about the promises is not how many promises can you memorize. Yeah. It's how well do you know God. Yeah. Amen? Because yeah. with all due respect, I can stick up on my walls in my house, all 3,000. Yeah. I walk by there every day and think that'll change my life. It's your relationship with the one, the God of promises that enables you to live within the promises of God and the reality of it. I mean, it's a simple thing. I, for instance, need to know, I want to employ somebody, I don't know them. T-Man is somebody that's applied to, for instance, do a job and, and, and I'm considering having him employed. I don't have a clue about who he is. But I can ask for a reference, and Kilton knows him much better. Kilton then gives me a reference and says the following about Tima. Like, okay, that's helpful. That enables me to possibly employ him and want to trust him because I, I know Kilton and I trust his word. And if he says something about Tima, that will help me. To know a little bit more about the character of this man. Mm-hmm. Now, I cannot, I can try my utter best to give you, according to my experience, a, a character explanation and a reference of our great and mighty God. But you need to find out for yourself mm-hmm. firsthand who he is. And what is like, so that your faith could be established on not what I say, but what you experience in your pursuit through the word and say, God is. Yes, take that, take that, take that. Because I see that in the word and I experience it in my walk with God. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's disappointing mm-hmm. because my expectation is, God, you will. But then I read where sometimes he takes time. It doesn't always happen immediately. And I sit with other people and they tell me of their experience. And I learn from that. And it gives me a greater understanding of who God is. So that when I read God promises this, it is backed up, supported by the character understanding I have of God. And so each one of us, we have that responsibility. So we can ask ourselves the question, what is your personal experience today of God? Because that determines whether you can believe His promises or not. And, and if we battle to, to, to really believe Him where He says, I will never leave you nor forsake you, then we've got to realize, and it's not a, it's not a condemnation, Oh, you don't believe that? No, it's just, God, I recognize that there's some things about you that is very, very shallow in my understanding and my walk with you. And the deeper that goes, the more foundation there is, the deeper the foundation is for me to be able to let your promises be rested upon that. 
But if there's very shallow foundation in your walk with God, you read the promises and it's like, uh, I don't know if this thing will be sustained. So does your current walk with God, can it sustain the promises of God that you read in the Bible? And we'll talk more about them over the next couple of weeks. But again, we come back to the most basic thing again. Your walk, your relationship with God. Not your religiosity, where you try to just come to meetings and tick the boxes and have a Bible that you somehow refer to. We're talking about your personal journey with Jesus. Our personal walk with God, with His Word as our guide, becomes the instrument we use to determine our level of trust in Him and His promises to you. That is the most important thing. So again, praise the Lord for His promises. Praise the Lord that we can, we can read about them, but we need to focus on the God of the promises. And 2 Corinthians 1 verse 20 really says this, all the promises of God find their yes, their confirmation in Christ Jesus. It's found in Him. And, and so, what do you know about Him? Because that, my friend, determines your level of trust in the actual promise that you read about. And all those, whatever you have, written all over and, and, and praise the Lord, there are many people these days and every day they, they send you a, a reminder or a promise or a thought or whatever beautiful about God. But that in itself cannot sustain us. Come on. It is knowing the God of the promises that when you read the promises of God, oh, that will sustain you. And it's your journey, your walk, your daily pursuit, your daily time with Him. That enables you to have a strong foundation. The, the next thing that we'd like to pursue over the next couple of weeks is we'll aim to keep help each other towards believing that God is able to keep His promises. Hey, I want to make sure we want to help one another that listen, guys, we can believe what God has said He will do, He is very capable of keeping. That's part of His character uh, understanding. It's very good to note that if we read some of these 3,000 promises, you know that many of them have already been fulfilled and kept? You know that? Those of you married, men, you found a good thing, the Bible says. You find a wife, you find a wife, finds a good thing. It's a beautiful promise. Eh? But anyway, there are more. There's, for instance, Jesus was promised in the Old Testament to come as the Messiah, as he comes. For sure. The one who's come to remove our sins and, and to give us hope, he's come. So God has fulfilled many of these promises, and they're still, that are in a sense outstanding. Maybe in your personal life, there are certain things that you, oh, I'm still trusting you for this. God is able. Should we not believe God and his promises, the real possibility is that we believe something else to be true instead of God's truth. If we say, well, I don't know if God is able to keep his promises, but I believe something else, then this something else will actually become your truth instead of his promise. And we are bombarded of late with other truths that are actually lies. 
But we become so desperate for something, instead of running to God for His truth, we run to other possibilities, and they, they become our truth that we depend on. In actual fact, so many of those things are lies. We build our lives on that instead of Him. This means we can make a lie a truth, which is faulty thinking and can result in, for instance, a feeling of hopelessness or that things will never change. How many of you have ever had that in this nation? The lie has become a truth. Things will never change. Whatever will never come to pass. God, I don't know if you can. Are you able to? No, I don't know. I don't think so. It's not been able to happen over the last so many years. And so our expectation for God to be real is founded upon this coming through. And if it doesn't come through, then God's not able. And then we start believing a lie that actually becomes a truth in our minds. And it's not just about situations nationally. It's about even your own personal life. That things have not happened the way that it ought to have. And the lie of that has now become a truth. That, well, that's just what I am then. I'll always just, whatever it is. And so we believe the lie. And we actually let that become the path that we walk. And God being able to keep his promise is no longer part of our thinking. When we start believing that the future is so fixed and therefore change is impossible, it is a sign of us believing the lie. When God says, I will, and the promises in the word says something different to what I'm experiencing, but I'm actually saying, I don't know if this will ever change. If my situation will ever, it's always been. I've heard people say that. Oh, you know what? For me, it just never works out. I try my best and it never, whatever it may be. And they start believing that a lie that becomes their truth. And I implore of you this morning, if you recognize in your life that a lie has become a truth, sometimes, you know what? That, that lie has become so truthful to you that you don't even recognize that the origin of it has been deception. This thing has become such a truth that I will always just be whatever. And so that's what you say about yourself. And perhaps even in your circumstance, in your situation, that's what you talk about. That is just what it's become. It's just always going to be like that. That is rubbish. You've got to go back to the Word and read what the Word says and what God's promises are. And let that determine who you are and, de and, and define your identity, not based on what has progressively just been happening over years. And now that lie has now become the truth for you. You don't see anything else. And when you read the actual truth, it's like, no, I'll accept that. It's just too strange for me. It's much too foreign to believe this. So even though God's promises declare something different, but we read in the Word, this new truth, which is a lie, I've found, is darkening and obscuring my future so much that I don't see any possibility of God being able to do what He promises. This is it. I only see this. There's a scary scripture in Ezekiel that says, God will answer us according to the idols in our hearts. And if this thing becomes 
my idol. Yeah. Not that I worship it, but I define myself through it. That God says, okay, well, you're going to just hear me through this. It's not that I choose to answer you through it. This is the filter yeah. that you're hearing from me through that you want to. You ask me things, but this filter, this thing has become so big that my word to you is answered through this thing in your heart. This lie. A new truth that is actually a lie is shaping my tomorrow. And please don't let that happen to you. Don't let a lie that has become a truth shape your future. We need to ask the question, is there currently anything in my life that I believe to be true that is actually false? Whether about God, about others, or myself. Think about the way you think about God at the moment. Is there anything about your perspective and your perception about God that could be false? That's not based on who he is and his character. You think, God promised, I don't know. Even your perception about other people. I don't think. And that thing has just shaped you. And it's formed you about this particular individual. The sad thing sometimes is, our, our, our perception about other people is often shaped by what others say about them. Not what I've seen. And then also about yourself. There's this example in the Bible where Peter had a specific understanding that God only came for the Jews. That formed his mind. His thinking was, the gospel is not for the non-Jews. Not for the Gentiles. And you know the story in Acts where God had to interrupt him through a dream, saying, listen, there's unclean foods, go eat them. Oh, no. God said, that's how I want you to reach out to the Gentiles. And God had promised Abraham's thought, back in Genesis, he said, I will make you a blessing to all the nations. Even in Hosea, God says, I will call those that are not my people, my people. And we see the realization of that when Jesus came, when he reached out to all people. And then when the gospel was released to the disciples, they said, go into all the world. Peter said, no. God's promises are just for a selected few. But he had to let the God of promise change his heart and his mindset. So if there's a truth that is based on a lie, like Peter had, it's only for some. I trust that God will help us as his people to be set free from any lie that's actually become a truth in our lives. Numbers 23 verse 19 actually counters this whole thing of the possibility of a lie from God or about God. It says in verses 19, God is not man that he should lie or a son of man that he should change his mind. Has he said and will he not do it? Or has he spoken and will he not Fulfill it. We need to help one another understand that what God promises is able to keep. And we need to discard any lie about that 
in our lives, about God, and about others. We also want to recognize that God intends to keep his promises to us on his terms, through his ways, and in his time, not ours. So God comes and he says, I promise. And some of them are unconditional, but some of them are conditional. And we can look at that together over the next couple of weeks and say, hey guys, listen, this thing is not just, oh great, that's for me, I can just receive it and, and reap the benefit of it. No, God says, if, if, I if, if, then. And it's not, I receive salvation if I go more and I do this. No, salvation is free by grace. And we need to receive it. I need to walk into it. But the reality is there are certain promises that comes from God that are conditional. And we cannot blame with this mindset, name it and claim it, and sometimes even frame it. Mindset. Name it, the promise, claim it for myself, and I frame it, I'll put it up, and I'll walk by and living, a, you know, just let this thing, maybe claiming and framing it, just become part of my life. Unfortunately, it doesn't always happen that way. Mm -hmm. It is if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves. Oh, there's like some conditions there, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Then I will hear from heaven. And so God wants to let us live within the reality and the blessing of his promises. But he says, hey, come alongside. He says, if you confess your sins, the promise is he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and our trespasses and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He says, if you confess. Hey, thank God that he cleanses me from all my unrighteousness, but I, I never come and I say, God, I'm sorry. There's a simple condition there. Joshua 1, I want to read this to you. Some important things we need to understand about this God that we serve. The God of promise. There's certain ways that He wants us, wants us to live, to enjoy the promises of God. Joshua 1, um, very well known portion here about Joshua about to enter the promised land. And it says here, verse 7 only be strong and very courageous. Talking to Joshua. Be careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. So that's possible for you to have good success, but stay focused. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate it on a day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then... You will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Very clear, isn't it? That there's a condition. We'll talk about that. And then regarding God's promises, as we come in for a landing, we want to look at the nature of his promises. We and there's such beautiful understanding that we need to have about the nature of God's promises. We, we read in Second Peter, where, where Peter gives us just a glimpse of this. 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3 to 4, I want to read to you. He says, he's divine power. Last week, Kilton preached about this. He came from the, the portion just a little bit later. But it says, his divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him 
who has called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us precious and very great promises, so that through them, these promises, you may become partakers of the divine nature. So there's something again that's promised to us as we study the great and precious promises. Study the nature of these. And, and what we want to do as well as we go through, we want to just look at a couple of Old Testament promises. We will never have enough time to go through all 3,000, obviously. But we want to just stop at a few and say, these are the promises from the Old Testament. These are some from the New Testament. And, and study their nature. And then lastly, what we want to do, we want to see and look how life builds on the promises of God will enable us to stand steadfast and secure in this world. And being able to make promises ourselves. So again, we want to say, God, as we go through the God of promise and the promises of God, I want to trust you that it will enable us to be secure in who you are. Not just in your promises, but in you being the God of promise. And how that can incredibly secure us. There's, there's this quote that, that I found that says, The man who believes the promises of God expects to see them fulfilled. Where there is no expectation, there is no faith. Faith in God and His promises will keep us strong and hopeful. The last verse I want to share with you is from Isaiah chapter 40, and a well known one. But just so beautiful again, how this is promised to us. And, and this may have been given to Israel at the time, but we find that Scripture interprets Scripture, Scripture backs up Scripture, that the principle of this is found elsewhere in the Bible. So it's not just this promise was only for Israel. This one is relevant for more than just that. It says in verse 28, Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. And we know that this is firstly spiritual, so it's just not, you know, the gym that you go to and think, if I just wait on God, I'll become a muscular giant. Obviously, this is something more. Even further, it says, Even youth shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. It's amazing that they don't talk about the old men doing that, because it seems like we don't fall exhausted. <laughs> anyway, it says, But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall faint, they shall walk and not faint. What a beautiful promise from the Lord. It says, This is how we can live our lives. We will run and not be weary. We will walk and not faint. And in this time that we're living in, there's a lot of faintness. There's a lot of weariness. And so we go to the God of promise and we say, God, I want to walk with you. I want to sit with you because the promise is, I will not go weary. I will not faint. And so I want to invite you on this journey with us in the next couple of weeks to 
help us understand a little bit more about the promises of God, but actually more so to look at the God of promise, and through that, see how we can, boom, establish ourselves even stronger. And folks, we need, we need people in this world that will be established on the God of promise and the promises God makes. So I invite you, please prepare your heart, say, God, I want to see more of you so that I can believe more of you. Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you that you are the God of promise. That, that oh God, your promises are, are yea and amen. And, and that whatever you say, you will complete, you will fulfill. And sometimes, oh God, we don't see them fulfilled, in, perhaps even in our own time. But we can believe you, because what you have promised, some many of them have been fulfilled already. And you, your word says you never change. You're always the same. And so whatever you promised, Lord God, you will fulfill. You will keep. Thank you that we can declare you to be the greatest promise maker there ever has been. And on top of that, we can also declare that you're the best promise keeper that the world has ever seen. And so, Father, as we as a church journey through this next few weeks, I pray that you will challenge us with this, but also that the outcome will be that the promises that we make to you, Lord God, will be as serious and as committed as the ones that you make to us. And that the promises we are making to others will also be taken, not lightly, but we will consider them seriously before you, and then, Lord God, fulfill what we promised. Even this morning, Lord God, I thank you for your grace, that where we have perhaps believed a lie, and that lie has become a truth about you, about others, about ourselves even, that you will show us where certain lies have become truths in our life, and that we'll repent of that and say, God, I I want to believe you. I want to believe you as a God of promise and not the lie that I've always believed. And Father, where we have also even failed in our own way of keeping promises to others, I pray that we will recognize where we failed, repent, and renew those promises again and say, I'm sorry. I'm going to commit myself again to what I have said I'll do. Father, I pray also against unholy promises that aren't supposed to be made. Sometimes we go into unholy bound situations where, where we make promises about things that you don't expect of us. And that becomes a burden. And I pray this morning that if any person has, has done that, Lord God, and, and, and said things and, and a promise that, that you never expected, that they will be released, Lord God, and realize, hey, this is not what God has expected, and that they will be real and deal with it wisely. And trust you for your grace. Father, mm -hmm. I pray for that. In Jesus precious. Amen. 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 It is absolutely a delight to be together. I don't, can't tell you how, how good it is not to stand in front of a camera and to be recorded and try to pretend that there are people watching you. This is the best ever. So thank you so much for coming. We will push hard at making this possible. And by God's grace, we will do this. Because we value this and value you. So God bless you. Thanks for being here.
if you need prayer, whatever way we can stand with you, please. Okay. Good luck to you.